Hello, and welcome to Faking Wits, a book club podcast where we shall sit down with some very good friends and we talk about a book that we have read. My name's Chen Si, and I go by many names. Some people call me Chen Si. Some people call me Daddy69. And some people call me Orangutan Lover69. Because I write a lot of fan fiction featuring Clint Eastwood eating out as an orangutan. I'm a writer, I'm a leader. And when I'm at libraries, I'm a reader. Talking about books with all my friends. I'm not a weirdo. I'm not a pervert, I'm not a sicko, I am normal. Just write stories about orangutans. Ah, okay, I think that's cleared everything up. Uh, who's joining me today at this table? Hi, I'm Alice and I'm back. Welcome back, Alice. Where have you been? Um, I got stuck in um, a library which had been decommissioned by the council and I just got stuck in there for like six months. Well, what I, That breaks my heart to hear about libraries being decommissioned. Mm. Is, what's what's happening there? And what's what, Let me know the name of that council so I can send them a letter bomb. Um, it's Jacob Breeze-Mogg's one. <laughs> Is it now? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll write Carol, Jacob Breeze-Mogg's council on this uh this package oh actually wait they have a lib dem council now oh what <laughs> no it's too late i've sent i've sent the letter bomb no please oh i gotta stop that after the podcast after the podcast though yeah. uh well it's, it's good to have you back here alice um I'm, I'm i'm i hope you're uh you're excited to get stuck into books like i am because um you don't have a library now it appears I read every book in that library. Oh, really? It was a long six months. I actually ended up eating the books as well. Wow. Does that help with the absorption of the knowledge within those books? No, it just really, really hurt to um, <laughs> you, 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 digest. Oh, okay. I was going to say, you, you you should chew them first like, before you actually like get, get, get it down into the digestive system. Well, you system. have to sort of... Um, Soak them in your mouth for quite a while Ooh, as well, yeah. you know. You are kind of eating them. trees, aren't you? Uh, mm. Effectively dead trees. Mm. But I have a taste for it now. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> what was the most delicious book that you ate there? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, really? Yeah. Was that? Did that have anything to do with the subject matter? Or was it because it just been placed in your head, the idea of chocolate there? Um, I think that a previous... Um, Lona? Lona? Loney? Loners, yeah. That's what people, (laughs) what they call people who go to libraries. Book book taker outer Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, had uh, got some ketchup on it. Okay. What an odd choice for a condiment for that book. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how how that happened, but yes. It's not not, not the source that I would have thought that would have gone No, no, it was unexpected, but still (laughs) better than just plain old paper. It's true, it's true. Well, try not to eat my books today, Alice. Try to control the hunger. I can't help it. What, the hunger's taken hold? I've got a taste for it now. (laughs) Yeah, okay, all right. Well, we'll try that. We'll we'll try to, like, um, keep you... Here, away from the bookshelf, okay? Um, thank you for joining us. Um, and also, oh, this is exciting. This is another return of a very good friend of the podcast. He hasn't been around for a while. And I'm sure he's been up to a lot since we've seen sorry, him. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I did not get an introduction like this. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I've... I've not been here for a really long time. I've been stuck in a library, literally eating books, and I get... Who have we got today? Oh, cool. All right, welcome back. <laughs> well, yeah, no, all, all things considered, this is a very unbalanced introduction. But uh, I have to say, Alice, like, that that whole book-eating anecdote has made you a lot more interesting. <laughs> but you still have got a long way to go before you're as interesting as uh, our next guest. Because, frankly, he's magic. He's magic... He's big, he's red, he's just he's just a big, red, magical bundle of fun. Uh, come on, 
Introduce yourself. Introduce yourself. All right, it's uh, uh, Sir Lenny London OBE. Oh my god, and he's a night nut. Come on. And I also got an OBE as well. <laughs> can you compete with that, Alice? Can I, can I just say, can you compete with that? Yeah, I shit books. <laughs> okay. Wow. First of all, well, I can do that as well. Actually, it's not. Of course, he's magic. He can do whatever he wants. But also, don't do that because we're a book positive uh, podcast. Don't, if any anything's going to happen to books is that they're going to be read and discussed, not dis- digested and shat out. <coughs> That's I don't want to hear any of that sort of stuff happening on this podcast, okay? And also, I'm sure the audience doesn't want to hear that either. I mean, the idea of having your headphones hooked up to somebody who's eating, digesting, and then shitting out books into a toilet. Not, that's the opposite um, of ASMR, you say into a toilet. <laughs> so you're just going to do it onto the microphone. <laughs> Straight onto the microphone. Maybe into a commode. Maybe it's, uh, maybe into a mark mode. Yes, maybe that's what will will happen. Well, thank you for joining. I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited to have um two two wonderful guests to discuss this mm. book with me today because this book is um one that's close to my heart and also the the author even close to my heart. Um, we're talking about Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut uh Jr. today. Um. Kurt Vonnegut is a legend. He is an absolute legend, a brilliant uh, American author. Most people probably know of his work. Most famous one is Slaughterhouse-Five. Um, but um, this one is his first book, and it's also a pretty well-known one. And it fits in nicely into our ongoing dystopia end-of-the-world series that we've been doing for the past ooh, half a year now. Well, a long uh, time. I don't almost want to... Uh... Well, like I said, that's the, um, that's the great thing about an ongoing series, Lenny, is that there's no set finite amount of times you can stop, you know? Whether well, it'll be eventually the end of the world books will come to an end. I mean. All the world will come to an end. The world will come to an end. Let's see which one happens first. Uh, the world coming to an end or, uh, this ongoing series on the end what of the you world. Were, what, what, you sound, the way you've said that it sounds like. You You're gonna know, end the world. You know which one's gonna happen first. Well. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, spoiler alert, you know, like, um, maybe, maybe, uh, we're gonna be doing this even after the world has ended. What, four people podcasting to no one? Nah, just me. Well, just, me. just me. Just me in a bunker by myself, broadcasting this. Have, have you made a bunker? I have made a bunker, actually. Where is it? Um, the bunker. I can't Wait, isn't this a basement? That. This is not a basement. It used to be a basement, it, but then the basement got moved up to the top of the house. So. <laughs> You know, it, it's, it has such basement vibes. I just, I know, I know. It's 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 an architectural um, uh, uh, effect. Like I, sure. I, I said to the builders, "Can you make the top of my house look like a basement?" And they said, "Absolutely. We just block out all these windows." We've only got those small little windows at the top mm-hmm. of the, and, and we've got, got some... one of those lifts that goes upside down. Yep, and we got stairs that lead to nowhere. Up, <laughs> you just go up these stairs and it just goes nowhere. But it just completes the effect that you're underground when you're in fact. On top of a house. I'm so discombobulated. That's, that's abs- absolutely fine. Um, I, I, one of my um, chief inspirations for this basement on top of this house was um, MC Escher. Uh, and um, I'm sure you've, you've uh, seen his paintings and listened to his albums. Um, his podcasts. His podcasts, everything, everything. He's uh, he, he is famous for making uh, non-Euclidean uh, architecture, which is just boggles the mind mm, mm. um but yes that's beside the point um i'm saying that i will i do have a bunker I'm not telling you where it is because the last thing i want is it is the bottom where, of your house no it isn't no it isn't is that's, it where the basement should be no it is that's so basic that's so basic and i'm quite offended that that's where you assumed my bunker would be uh that's the last place i put my bunker but like you're look. one of those people that when they played worms used to dig underground what a rather one. than what a <laughs> what an unexpected <laughs> reference from London's premier beef eater. I've been quite there's not been a lot of uh, royal business lately to protect the royals. What do you mean there's not been a lot of royal business? You've had like a baby that was born. Yeah, it's been alright. Yeah, it's been you fine. Were, I feel like your last promotions made you become a little bit complacent in your role. Well I manage a team. So managerial hands off kind yeah, of thing it's been, now. It's been alright. I can't so get my hands dirty every so often. I mean do you prior I mean 
I mean, I guess this this would have been. A, I thought it would have been in the past week would have been a banner week for the beef eaters. Now that you've got another uh, life to protect of the royal family, um, uh, Harry and Meghan's kid. Mm. Um, I mean, are you just not that bothered with this one? Or? Well, he's not a prime royal. Mm, controversial. I feel very strongly that there's been no American blood in the royals as wow, well. Wow. Okay. Strong opinion. Well, there was. There was. There was the um. Uh, what was a uh, uh, Wallace Wyatt Simpson? Simpson. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hated her. That's well, why not... he abdicated. It's Lenny. Lenny made that happen. Yeah. I, I've, I've aged back in time now to the point where <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> where you can affect things in the past. So I, yeah. Before you won't remember this, obviously, mm-hmm. but like last week. He was still king, Wallace Simpson. Right, oh, Wallace Simpson was a woman. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, I got confused because I got them to change their name as well as when they abdicated. Why did you get them to change their names? <laughs> oh, a bit, bit of fun. <laughs> so they swapped names? Yeah. So he was King Wallace Simpson for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and he announced that to the world. Like, By the way, me and my wife, we've swapped names. I'm King Wallace Simpson now. And then he abdicated. Yeah, but they, uh, they, they scrubbed it from the history books. I'll be, I'll be honest, in the list of crazy things he did, that's probably like fits right in there. Like just to change it. Swap names of your wife and then abdicate after that. Yeah, it's just Americans. And he did that because of you. Yeah, I was like, I can't be an American in the throne. Wow. So your plan to make them abdicate was to make them make everybody think they were crazy. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, all right. They weren't even Nazis. <laughs> Is that something that you just made up after the fact? Yeah, well, they were more uh, Italian fascists. Oh, okay. But the two get, them, get, get, they get confused. Okay. Well, there's a lesson there. Never cross Lenny London because he will make everybody think you're crazy and then make you quit your job. Gaslight. Yeah, yeah, no, I do no, no, gaslight um, them. To be fair, actually, that's that's kind of like the opposite of gaslighting. Gaslighting is when you make the person think they're crazy. What he did was make everybody else think this person was crazy. I gaslighted the world. Exactly, exactly. Wow, that's disturbing stuff. Disturbing stuff. Um, well, uh, should we? Let's try and crack on with this book. Um, Cat's Cradle, Kurt Vonnegut. Um, your first impressions. What do you know about Kurt Vonnegut? I've already sort of gushed about him quite a bit. I love this author a lot. Um, are you familiar with Kurt Vonnegut, Alice? Um, yeah, I've read all his books while I was in the library. Did they have all his books at the library? Well, they didn't have this one. Oh, okay. Someone uh, had taken it out oh, okay. and not returned it. Did you eat those books? I did. I, okay. I ate, like, a large... I don't know hmm. if I ate all of the books. I was. It was... I would read a book and then eat it, so... Immediately after having read it, you'd eat it. Generally, yeah. Okay. But I did actually eat very many, like, okay. that very frequently, because obviously I'd have to read the book. That would take a while. Mm-hmm. So you, you have a duck. It's, it's kind of like when a, a python eats. It just has one big meal, mm-hmm. and it spends, like, a few, like, uh, days, weeks, or months digesting it, depending on the size of the meal. Mm-hmm. And then when it's ready mm-hmm. to go again... Two days is okay. my average okay. for reading a book, so... Uh, do, do, do you also eat it like a python? Do you unhinge your jaw and just put the whole book in your mouth? And no, I said I have to tear the pages and oh, okay. let it soak in my mouth for a bit. Okay. Soften, okay. and then... And then swallow. Okay. Chew it, yeah. All right, all right. Um, I... I Deeply upsetting to me to hear of you um, tearing pages out. I had to. It wasn't like I had a choice. I couldn't get out of that library. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. But this is, to me, is more upsetting than um, uh, the movie 127 Hours, where uh, James Franco had to cut off his own arm in order to um, survive. In the Uh, movie I Am Legend, they mm -hmm. burn a load of books to keep warm. Yeah, I don't like that movie. Not I Am Legend, the disaster one. Uh, (laughs) Which one is that? Uh, Day After Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, the day after tomorrow. Yes, that does have a scene where he burns books. Because yeah. they've got they're in an ice uh, palace or something. That's right. In a library, it's very cold. They burn a load of books. That's right. That's horrific. That was a horrific scene in that movie. Um, well, it was very much in line with the movie's general ethos. Of, of, of clo- climate change and um, being mm. um, a monster that can chase you down a corridor, apparently. Yeah. Um, um, no, I, I, I think this is... Um, yeah, I, I don't like hearing about um, this sort of like uh, destruction of books. But if you've internalized these books, literally and uh, metaphorically, um, then I, I, I guess their spirit lives on within your mind. And I, I guess like, all I have to ask is like, um, what what are your thoughts on what I get as an author? And what are your thoughts on like Cat's Cradle? Uh, initial thoughts, that is. Um, I think he 
is really different, you know, um, sort of unique sort of writer. Mm. Um, has a really sort of interesting and unusual way of telling the story. Which, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I think is good. Cat's yeah. um, Cradle was um, very concise. It's a very short book, but lots happens. Not very substantive for your purposes then. Yeah, I actually read this one in an afternoon because I was really hungry. I would pick the shorter books as well. Mm, mm, mm. Were the children's books the first ones to go then? Mm. Uh, okay. Mm. Did you eat a very hungry caterpillar? Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who let you out of the library in the end? <laughs> Jacob Rees Mark. <laughs> he just finds you there sitting amongst all these sort of like destroyed he, books. So he. With, so with your book was, poo in the corner he, somewhere. Uh, it was a, a big bulldozer bulldozed into the library. Uh-huh. And he was standing on the top of the bulldozer just shouting things mm-hmm. like. Kill the free uh, education for the people of the UK. Sorry, he was shouting. Kill the free education for the people of the UK. That's his his catchy rallying cry. Yeah, yeah. And he was saying things like, ha, 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 those poor people are going to be stuck being poor and stupid forever now I've knocked down this library. And then there was, and then he was like, ho there. Who is that peasant in the the rubble? And I was like, oh, hello, I've been living off books. And he was like, oh, somebody get her out of there, but not me. I won't touch that poor person. Wow. Jake Reese Mogg coming really hard after the, uh, the poor people there. Wait, how do you feel there? That you, like, Maybe he was jealous that, like, you kind of accomplished what he was trying to do. Because, like, you effectively destroyed the library by eating all the books. Thus depriving the poor people of all the literature within it anyway. Uh, I don't know if he himself was getting, like, pleasure out of the... Dis- no, he was. <laughs> um, I, maybe. I didn't stick around. I went and had to have, um, like, this huge operation where they cut out loads of paper from my stomach. <laughs> wow. So what, wait, hold on a second. So you hadn't, your body basically, despite your no, technique no, of softening some, the pages. No, no, some, some, but it's okay. like a cat, you know. Oh. When they eat lots of hair, they get a hairball, don't they? That's right. And you didn't cough it up. No. Okay. What, what, which books do they recover from your stomach? Um, uh. Have they fused to form a new book in your stomach? Yes. And if they did, can I read it? <laughs> it's called... The Book of Alice. Good, good. That's a good. And what's, what's its constituent parts? Um, there's bits from Pride and Prejudice. I ate that one first because I'd already read it. Ah, oh, okay, okay. And I didn't like it. Mm, that's that's a shame. So um, better book than it is a snack. Then. Was it a no, good? better snack than it is a book? Oh, okay. Sorry. Right. What, would be the, like what would be the flavour notes for Pride and Prejudice? Bitter. Quite boring. Um, sort of pappy. Pappy. Hmm. How how's that a flavour? Just. Oh, okay, okay. I get what she's saying. Kind of dry, kind of dryish, woodish. Yeah, woodyish. well, yeah. It's interesting. You're um, you're interested in um, flavour notes now, uh, Lenny. Because well, I've got uh, a bit of mine. Yeah, no, but wine. also also because of the fact that like I don't know why you care. You only eat one thing, right? Which is I need beef. You only eat beef. You only I've, eat beef. I've moved out to beef eater gin as well. Really? That's yeah. interesting. Which I, I don't know why, why that works. But, um, what, um, and why, like, is, is there any enough similarity between gin, the constituent Well, it's called beef feeds gin, so. Right. But, but it doesn't give you magic powers, is it? No, it doesn't. It just, it just quenches my thirst. So no water for you. It, no, no gin. water now. Just a diet of <laughs> gin and beer. Well, the, well, actually it has, um, given me gin and beer. It's given me a, another range of magic powers that I didn't have before. Oh, really? So now I have the power of illusion. Oh, okay. I thought you had the power of illusion before. <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay. I'm pretty sure you did. I'm pretty sure you were able to cut magic things. Um, in fact, you briefly cast a spell that made this podcast good for a few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I remember correctly. No, that's transmogrification. Okay, not the same as illusion. Illusion's like this. Oh, what, what's happened? I've, I've illusioned up a Josh Bellman. Stop saying much. You just sort of no, I don't have the there. power to 
<laughs> so make him say anything yeah. he's just standing there he's staring is at it, us is it him or is it just an illusion of him it's a bit of both so he's aware he's being illusioned to here but he's not actually here yeah cool he gets like a notification <laughs> in his brain <laughs> in his brain that he's here okay can't speak though alright uh, uh, what, what a shame <laughs> <laughs> banish be gone be gone be gone banish his vision <laughs> Thank you. That's good. That was some good illusion magic. It's, it's a bit like handy, um, yeah. a bit like that two pack hologram. It made me think of yeah. Like, I illusion that up as well. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. The two pack get a notification <laughs> in his brain as well. <laughs> no, because he's dead. Well, I thought in heaven he would have got a notification. Oh yeah, in heaven he did. Yeah, <laughs> heaven exists. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course it does. I and mean, two pack is there <laughs> when he's not being you know illusioned up down here. Like, well, it's a bit war in heaven at the moment. What? There's a war in heaven. Why yeah. Is that? Well, between two pack and Big E. Big How did they get into heaven? This is this is promising, though, isn't it? It really is. The fact the bar is quite low, and you can still do the same stuff that you were doing <laughs> down on Earth. Maybe hell doesn't actually exist. It does exist. If you're not good at rapping, you go to hell. Oh, no. So, wait, are you telling me that like Tupac and B still couldn't quash that beef up in heaven? No, as I said, war in heaven. War in heaven. Um, I mean, as a, as a beef eater, like, you must have been looking at that beef going... <laughs> I do. I've already we've already discussed this in the first time I appeared in the podcast. Sorry, sorry. I love beef, but heaven them. beef now it's like heavenly beef. Yeah. Isn't that like a new flavour for you? Oh, it's very nice. Yeah, it's like wagyu. I like, well, yeah, I like wagyu beef. I've got into that recently. <laughs> but this is like the wagyu of like of of hip hop beefs, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, pretty like, much. Yeah. It's like it, it, two back and biggie beefing in heaven. <laughs> oh, did I you ever have so. that most expensive sandwich in the world? Well, I I did, but I just took the beef out. <laughs> And the various other condiments on the side. So the foie gras, the lettuce, <laughs> and the buns. Scraped them all off. It's <laughs> got that good old wagyu patty and put it mm. inside you. Um, that's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see that you are taking interest in and broadening your diet. I don't, I, I was also going to ask you about like your opinion on um, Kurt Vonnegut as well. Oh, he's great. I'm a big fan of plain writing, big fan of the humor element of his work. Laconic, I believe, is the good yeah, way to write. I liked Slaughterhouse Five. Didn't care for Slaughterhouse Six. <sighs> what? Shocking. <laughs> Why? Well, um, what? I didn't even know there was a Slaughterhouse Six. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's not as good as Slaughterhouse's One, Three, Four, Five's the peak of the series. Yeah, of right, course. Right. What happens in that series? Because I only know Slaughterhouse Five, and it feels like a, I've I thought it was the only book. Now it feels like I've come in towards the end of the series. Yeah, yeah it's a bit weird. You've come in towards. Yeah, the end. like so. What happened before World War Two and the whole jumping around in time? Well, it's just an early history of his life. Okay, of Billy Pilgrim's life. Yeah, he yeah, hangs yeah. around. But isn't Slaughterhouse Five all? Also, a history of Billy Pilgrim's life as well. Yeah, but it's mostly boost boot camping. Okay, <laughs> four books. <laughs> yeah, it's trains. It's like okay. one long montage. Right, right. And before he's actually done the whole met the aliens, jumping around in time. So yeah, he hasn't met the aliens. Yeah, it's very conventional. Very conventional. Just, okay. If anything, it is, it is too linear. Right. So it must have been a bit of a shock then when you were, the first thing was like, you've been reading this story of Billy Pilgrim who's been going through boot camp and then he goes to war. Then boom, aliens. Aliens and Yeah, it was a big surprise. I really think Kurt got bored. (laughs) It's a bit of a a shift in the series. And then Slaughterhouse 6, what happens then? Because like, Billy does die at the end of Slaughterhouse 5. Yeah, it's it's about the repercussions of his death. It's mainly it's not about him in heaven, then. <laughs> no, it's not. It's about the the, uh, the handing out of his property to various. <laughs> so the, the the style settles down again, the, and like becomes a very conventional book. Time traveling aliens are gone, yeah. and it's just like a guy reading out a will. <laughs> yeah, effectively. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, Billy Pilgrim wasn't very good at rapping. <laughs> no, he's no, crap. he wasn't. Um, not in heaven, or um, and not beefing with anybody, unfortunately. But he reached that point in his. A mindset where he had kind of transcended beefs because he could see he experienced time fourth dimensionally so like when you experience time fourth dimensionally <laughs> you realise how pointless having beefs really is well it's true but I don't have beefs anymore I'm very chill because so, you are a fourth dimensional being I'm yeah fourth dimensional yeah you, you that's right you you, you are similarly unstuck in time and you have this sort of like God's eye view of your own timeline and you age backwards. Yeah, I don't want to make a big deal of it though. It's, uh, I mean, standards. you do kind of mention it every time you're on the show, but... Uh, yeah, but you always mention your age. And 
You're, I don't mention my You're ascension age. through time. I don't do that. That's not one of my you're things. You're always going, yesterday I did this, the other day I did that. That's I, when, when you age in various directions and you understand time bilinearly, it's just how you talk about your life. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I was I thought you were going to uh, typify me as a guy who's always talking about his age, and I don't do that. I don't no, do that. no, no more than anyone else. Exactly, exactly. Um. So, yeah. You, you, like you said, Vonnegut, you like sorts of houses one through six. And that's your only experience with Vonnegut? No, I've read, I read like, I read this Cat's Cradle for this yeah, book. Yeah, okay. It's good fun. First book, first book. Did you know that it's he... It's not um, his first book. Um, okay, Play a Piano, technically, it was written before that. And that was when he was doing science fiction stuff. But I think this is, I think, believe this is the first book that he wrote that got like, um, him, uh, some measure of fame. Sorry to undermine you. That's all right. I'm, I'm absolutely like, you know what, Alice? If I say something incorrect on this show, I hope that my guests have the courage and the conviction and the comfort to uh, call me out on it. Because we all make mistakes, right? Oh, I've never, never made a mistake. I believe there was a certain mistake that occurred in the Paris in 1997. That wasn't a mistake. That was... That <laughs> she was... deserved to die. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wow, just wow. quadrupling down on this bit. <laughs> if Princess Donna hadn't died, we never would have got Candle in the Wind. That's great true. Great 90s tune. Um, that's a great that 90s tune. That song already existed before. Yeah, we wouldn't have got the new version. <laughs> we wouldn't have got the Princess <laughs> Diana Memorial Fountain. Yeah, we wouldn't have got new lyrics is what he's saying. And that's the most important thing of all. Um, <laughs> it really brought the nation together. It's true. It did. It did. It really did bring us all together um, in this emotional moment. I I wouldn't go so far as to say it was a good thing that had to happen. Um, He said she deserved it. I wouldn't go that far either. I I think think that's a bit far, but uh, hey, I'm not a fourth dimensional being. He probably sees more than we do. I do, yeah. Is she good at rapping? Uh, Yeah, actually. She was very good at rapping. Who's she beefing with up there? She's beefing uh, with uh, David Bowie. Whoa, that's a late, that's a late beef. Yeah, it's Bowie a hasn't while. been up there that long at all. Well, it's because what happened is she had an established friendship group up in heaven. Oh yeah, of course. Mother it was Teresa, her, Mother Teresa, uh, Desmond uh, Tutu, Desmond Tutu, some orphans, uh, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, who's now out after the documentary. Is he, what can they do that? Can they do that in heaven? Like. <laughs> Like, after some things have come to light afterwards? they would have known, like, the whole time. No, they have no idea. (laughs) If you get cancelled on Twitter, you get cancelled in heaven. So he's like, St. Peter was watching TV, watched Michael Jackson's documentary, wait a second here, and then said, hey, hey, Michael, you you can't stay here anymore. You can't. Not after what you did. Not after what you did. You've got to leave. You've got to leave. Wow, okay. Maybe that's why the bar's been set so low in heaven, because they are totally dependent on documentaries to actually like reveal uh, yeah. if people should go into heaven or not. Um, okay, uh, so David Bowie, Princess Diana, beefing in heaven. Yeah, it's because he came into the friendship group uh-huh. and he started making waves. Uh, you know, kind of waves. He was like, oh, I think we should be going to the uh, GBK rather than Nando's. They have those up in heaven as well. <laughs> yeah, they're two main good, restaurants. Good. They always used to go to Nando's, Eberfer, GBK. Wow. Um, I mean, I'm... I'm Who, have to sorry, go over... sorry. What? GBK? Yeah, Gourmet Burger Kitchen. I know what it is. <laughs> Honestly, this is meant to be like... The, like a p- eternal paradise and your two choices are Nando's or GBK. <laughs> well, yeah, or Pitta Pit. I mean, from what I've heard as well, <laughs> to be honest, Alice, from what I've heard, they don't re- the standards in heaven are not as high as I've been led to believe, um, just in terms of the people they let up there as well. Uh, so what are the restaurants in hell? Uh, restaurants in hell are Byron and... <laughs> doesn't make sense. It's better. Byron is better than Nando's. Well, wait, wait, wait. They have a terrible... They treat their employees quite terribly. And a uh, chicken shop. Maybe, maybe chicken they shop. Oh, chicken shop's really good. Yeah, it is, it is good. I've never been to chicken shop. Oh, you should shop. go. It's really... Mwah, 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 okay, mwah. okay. What's a signature dish? Chicken. <laughs> I was hoping it was shops, but okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, and but they mm-hmm. do crinkle-cut fries... Which is mm. problematic, in my what? opinion. So maybe that's why it's... Wait, 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 wait. What is problematic about crinkle-cut fries for you? They're rank. 
What? What makes them so rank to you? No one knows. They're just dry. <laughs> They're horrible. Mm. Everyone knows crinkle cut fries are disgusting and nobody likes them. Everybody, okay. best mm. fries, best chips. Mm-hmm. Chip shop chips, number one. Yeah, it's hard to, hard to fault that. Number two, curly fries. Mm, 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 mm. Number three, French fries, which actually aren't that good. I'd never choose them. What about steak fries? Ooh. I would say steak fries are kind of the same as chip shop chips. I'd actually put steak fries below uh, French fries because most steak fries as well, unless they're done really, really well, like, but the most like um, consistently come out is like really sort of like dry. kind of like dry, yep. kind of like uh, yep. like too stodgy too stodgy chunky chips when you get the chunky ones where they've cut them into like bricks Mm. and then they come in like a bucket Mm. they're usually really good but they need to be triple fried that's the only thing plenty fries they're good oh yeah yeah. halloumi fries halloumi fries are pretty good can't relate can you no I can't I only have beef fries (laughs) so where you've basically (laughs) taken the beef and chopped them into strips and then you fry them fry them it's actually really that sounds really nice (laughs) (laughs) It does sound really nice. I mean, especially, hey, especially if you're if you're taking that like um that that good old biggie two pack beef, right? Mm. You're cutting that into chips, and then you you're frying up that Mwah. oh tastier do, animosity do, between those two. Do you have sauce? No, I have beef sauce. You don't have gravy. No. What is beef sauce? <laughs> Blended beef. Yeah, I thought it was, much, I thought it was just literally you just taking some beef. And you just pureed it. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's rare. Okay. That sounds so awful. I mean, to be fair, if you puree it long enough, the heat generated by the pureeing process will probably cook it a little bit. Yes, yeah, water. So you end up with a sort of it's like warm <laughs> mince drink. Yeah, but it's more of a drink. Sounds great. Sounds great. You can dip your beef in there. Any salt or pepper? Anything? I'm allowed a little bit of salt. Okay. Oh, God, you must have very similar bowel movements to me. Books or beef? I wonder which causes the worst bowel movements. I guess there's only one way to find out. <laughs> Take a stool sample. Yep, absolutely. Well, uh, I'll ask you for, to provide those to me at the end of the show. Uh, don't, don't feel any pressure to do it now, but I am interested to take a peek and find that for myself. Um, but let's get back to the book, The Matter at Hand, Cat's Cradle. As I said, this is a book that ties in neatly with our dystopia end of the world uh, series because it is a book about the end of the world. Um, more to the point, though, it's a book about man's folly. Uh, in this book, uh, the world comes to an end because of a combination of uh, humanity's stupidity and ingenuity. Uh, what do you think is probably plays the bigger part, though, in, in this book? And what do you think um, uh, Vonnegut sort of like his viewpoint on humanity is uh, is humanity ingenious and brilliant or is humanity kind of doomed and stupid i think it's possibly more a case of they're so they think they're so clever mm-hmm. and they take things too far and that mm. makes you stupid by not thinking about what you're doing by being clever too smart for your own good is the uh, the word yeah, that yeah. you'd use okay I, that's that's fair that's fair i um i i, I think um this is a little nice little fact here um when i get actually based the uh character of uh professor honecker uh who is the brilliant um scientist who invents ice nine and also worked on um uh the uh, atom bomb um Sorry, let me just pull this up here. Yep, Felix Honecker uh, was based upon a uh, scientist called Irving Langmuir. That's uh, L-A-N-G-M-U-I-R. Who also like Jan Moyer from Daily Mail. <clears throat> no, <clears throat> Muir, isn't it? Is it Muir? Langmuir. Langmuir. Moyer. No, you're right. Moyer is M-O-I-R. <clears throat> this is M-U-I-R. So you're right, Alice. It would be. I don't either. I don't. Um, I think um, it's Muir. Langmuir, Langmuir. Let's say let's let's go with Alice's pronunciation of uh, Irving Langmuir. Um, Langmuir was a scientist who uh, worked at, um, actually worked on atomic particles as well. And Vonnegut was um, inspired uh, in uh, I guess a horrible way because they uh, they became friends and corresponded. Um, but Langmuir was 
a person who seemed completely ambivalent about the possibility of his discoveries falling into the wrong hands. Um, and it was something that left Vonnegut a little bit shaken. He's never able to get it out of his head. This idea of a man who is so brilliant, discovers something so dangerous and so deadly, and yet doesn't seem to care that much about um, it being misapplied, which is a stark contrast to people like um, uh, the uh, Doctor um, uh, Oppenheimer, the father of the atomic bomb. What wanker! I mean, yes, but like here's a guy who did discover the atom bomb, but he um, quotes uh, after he discovered that when they detonated the first bomb, he quoted the Rubaiyat and said, "I am now become death destroyer of worlds." Here's Do you reckon guy. everyone heard him when he said that? <laughs> and then dropped and he went, I'll become deaf, destroyed worlds. And I was like, sorry, what was that? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> he, was, he was actually rapping. <laughs> he was rapping the Rubaiyat. And, um, and people just heard him, like, do that one bit, which he, cause he posted it to SoundCloud. Um, and, yes. uh, it's his mixtape. But that, that's, there's a guy who was clearly cognizant of what he, what he had done and what he had unleashed upon the world. Uh, a deadly force. Whereas, um, Langmuir and, uh, Felix Honecker are portrayed as these odd, absent-minded and very distant people who discover something and seem utterly unconcerned with, uh, the ramifications of what they've discovered. I stand a terrifying um, chemical, the idea of a chemical compound which can freeze all the water in the world with just one particle. Which well, makes it... Oh, oh dear. Oh. Pardon me. Big pardon. Ah. Sorry, I need to um, drink some more fizzy water. He only, he only makes it, though, to freeze mud to make it easier for soldiers to walk on. That's true. So it's an accident. That's, it is. It's a side a effect. That's absolutely true. I, whereas, he, well, uh, I, I'd also argue that a lot of, uh, uh, I think there is a, uh, analog to, uh, um, for Honecker in the shape of, uh, Professor Farben, IG Farben, who ended up discovering, uh, Zykon B and uh, explosives as a byproduct of um, his work um, creating fertilizers, which were mm. there to effectively save the world from starvation. Because at, at that point in the 30s, they were genuinely concerned that there wasn't enough nut nutrients in the soil to uh, grow crops that would f feed and sustain the world. And Farben was able to actually solve that problem, but as a byproduct, he also went on to discover things like Zycon B and um, um, make loads of destructive uh, explosives for the Nazis. Well, it happens, happened a lot. Same true of Ian Knives. <laughs> Why did he? The, what was he? What did he Invented do? the knife. Oh, and really? He, he meant okay. to invent a way of cleaning eggs. <laughs> Wait, so his idea was I need to find a better way clean eggs because he was there clean in what way <laughs> well, what? The inside the outside well, I, imagine, um, I, ima I imagine that like um, uh, Ian Ian Knives was there sitting there in his room <laughs> licking an egg and thinking to himself there has to be a better way to clean this egg than me licking each individual one what if there was some sort of sharp metal object which could, could scrape, could scrape <laughs> the surface okay. of the egg and um, the knife was invented yeah it's a shame because Ian Ian Brillo Pads was the guy who ended up actually inventing the original egg cleaner. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the original use of the Brillo Pad was to clean eggs. How did how did Ian Brillo Pad feel about his invention being perverted to uh, being used to clean dishes instead? He was he was absolutely fine about it. His name was um, actually Ian Lifehack um, Brillo Pads. Yep. Yep. And um, he was really pleased about it. He actually was the guy who said, you know what, this could be used for something else. Mm -hmm. And um, Did he invent the concept of 20 weird life hacks that will change your life? He invented, yeah, life hacks. That's where it comes from. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, he, so he's a really, really amazing, amazing guy. Says here that uh, Ian Brillo Pads was also really upset when people started using the Brillo Pad to stab people with as well. Like that was um, not, not effective. That was, yeah. wasn't, well, that's he why to, he was angry about he it. He had to like, like unravel like one bit of wire and mm -hmm. really sort of like make it pointy. In fact, like um, uh, there was a guy called Ian Gunn who was one day he was stabbing somebody with a Brillo Pad and thought to himself, "There has to be a better way of doing this," and uh, he invented a gun. To uh, 
shoot in Brillo Pad with us, saying, that's what I think of your invention. And this Fuck was all you. in uh, 10th century China. And what's amazing about this is that he did still um, figure out that there were life hacks for guns as well. Because, oh, really? Um, he was the guy um, who invented the using of the gun for the beginning of a race. Oh, what? Yeah. I've always wondered about that. I wonder yeah. why you always start a, a race with a gun. I always assume it's because all the people that are running are afraid they're going to get shot. No, no. And they're running away from the gun. In in gun, on um, the deathbed of Ian Brillo pads. Mm-hmm. Ian Brillo pads. Well, he shot Ian Brillo pads. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Ian Gunn shot so Ian Brillo pads. So Ian yeah, yeah. Gunn has his gun to Ian Lifehack Brillo pads face and mm-hmm, he says mm-hmm. I'm going to kill you because you've invented something stupid and he said what's that is that a thing for starting races with and he said no it's a thing for killing you with but that was kind of a good idea <laughs> sorry why would he say is that a thing for starting races why would that be his first thought oh because he, he, he so what happened was he tried to shoot him but he mm-hmm. missed and then he punched him in the face and knocked him onto the ground and then had the gun against his face. So he knew it made a really loud mm. noise, but he didn't know it was going to shoot a bullet. Unfortunately, <sighs> Ian Gunn thought um, he meant human races, not actual running races. So he was like, why isn't this inventing new human races? It doesn't make any sense. Why isn't it starting that? Ah, And like then he noticed that everybody was running away from him mm-hmm. because he was firing his gun mm-hmm. into the air. I thought, wait a second. Wait. Wait, you just said you thought. Are you Ian... <laughs> <laughs> what? Is <laughs> tea? No. It's true. Did it's true. Invent, it's true. Did you invent tea? I didn't invent tea. I invented the gun and I've been high, living incognito as Chinti because uh, I'm afraid I'll be arrested for the murder of that man. <laughs> I did because what I did was murder. It was murder. He did invent something really stupid and it angered me so much that I had to invent something new to murder him with. But like the law was like, we don't care. You've committed the murder. You need to go to jail to- now. And I said, "What's the statute of limitations on?" Uh, it's 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 a lot. It, there's no statute of limitations on murder, my friend. Uh-huh. You should know this, Lenny. I thought beef eaters know. Well, I'm above the law. I, well, that's true. Right, he murdered you know. somebody. Well, I mean, I've killed quite a few people. You um, essentially murdered Princess Diana, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, more than essentially. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, well, you were instrumental in her unfortunate passing, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, no, like... Um, it was the, an inside job, that's what I heard. Uh, that's why. The, well, it's apparently been confirmed. But <laughs> that's not... like. There's no statute of limitations on uh, on murder, uh, Lenny, I'm afraid to say. So um, I, I'm going to have to ask you to keep this secret... Uh, and not reveal to anybody my secret, which is that I am Ian Gunn, inventor of the gun and murderer of Ian Brillapad. It's quite apt because guns, as you as you know, have been used to kill a lot of people over the years. That's true. How do you feel about your creation slipping into the wrong hands? I mean, yeah, this book must have been um, really sort of like um, it was like looking into a. A paper mirror, my friends. It was. It was like looking into a mirror made out of wood. Uh, I, yeah, it, this is one of the reasons why Vonnegut has been almost close to my heart because I thought, like, Matt, wow, he's fucking nailed it. This is exactly how I felt uh, when I invented the gun and saw all these people being killed with it. Unconcerned. Unconcerned. Didn't really care. I was like, I guess, literally, after I shot um, Ian, um, like, hacks bullet pads in the face, I literally just left the gun there. And with instructions how to use it, saying like, point this at anything you want dead or start a race. <laughs> I don't care. And I walked off and to, I walked straight to the name office and said, I'd like to change my name, please. <laughs> what do you have to change it to? Uh, well, I don't know. I looked at his face, chin, and I looked down at his drink, tea, chin tea. <laughs> and they let you uh, do that. Yeah, Wait, pretty much. Wait, you the police officer? Uh, the naming office. In the naming, oh, naming office. office. Which I also, uh, um, which um, hadn't existed before I met my good friend in naming <laughs> office. I said to him, if there's only a way I could change my identity really easily. And he said, actually, I think I can help you out there. Uh, I've been working on something. Europe, he, he pulled out a big like blueprint for the naming office. I was like, What? What is this? It's a naming office, my friend. Everything's going to be okay. Chin. Oink. Wait, so he knew. You said, hold on. 
Oh, it was like an inception of your new name, I guess. It was. It's like he invented my new name as well by inventing the naming office. But you did say that you got the idea off the guy's face from inside the naming office. So because yeah. he incepted me. The yeah, because it said yeah. on his on his forehead. Remember when I said <laughs> the most the most subtle form of inception ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about the book. And like I said, the book kind of nails the idea of like um, uh, of inventing something, not caring about it, and seeing how it can be a destructive effect on the world. But um, I mean, I think there's another parallel you could draw with like um, why this book still re- remains so uh, relevant to this day. I, I remembered reading about how in Silicon Valley they have the same sort of like um, blase attitude to the. the technology they're harnessing at the moment like face people at facebook and google talking blasely about like oh this is an algorithm which basically tells everybody what your face looks like and can mimic voices and everything like that and when people raise the issue of like that sounds really dangerous it sounds like you could just completely uh invent people fake stuff you can lie to people and convince people of like awful things and they're just like eh, doesn't matter uh, i i'm sure nothing bad will happen well, my name is an Ian Fake Names Guy. <laughs> fake Names Guy? Yeah. Which is not Fake Names. <laughs> he had to invent the Fake Name Guy, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but have you ever been that website? Like, um, this person doesn't exist? Dot com? No. It's a website where you go on it and it creates pictures of people who don't exist. <sighs> they like literally using facial recognition software and pulling from a variety of sources all over the internet it creates completely new faces these people do not exist it's kind of freaky because hmm. it's because it's not like they look really bad like it's not like a Skyrim like character generator where the nose is like three feet long and the eyebrows are on their like on the back of their head they look like genuine people and then you have to get your and if it weren't for the fact that they said that like, this person doesn't exist you kind of trying your brain's trying to have to, having to deal with the idea of like okay that looks like a real person but you're being told that that this person doesn't exist at all but this is a picture of you chin what oh this is bullshit <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry we broke the website the first picture it pulled up was my face <laughs> apparently and um either means that like that website is bullshit or i'm the most generic looking person in the world or you, or you don't, don't exist, exist. Nah, I'm pretty sure I exist. I'm pretty sure I exist. If I didn't exist, then who'd be listening to this show? Not the 200 listeners we routinely get on a weekly basis, that's for sure. You're telling them that I don't exist? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, but anyway, back to the book. What do we think about um, what Vonnegut has to say about religions? And specifically, what do you think of the religion of Bokanism? I thought it was a pretty cool religion myself. Uh, I think it's just a very sort of classic view of looking at religion as a way, as a way to control stupid people. Do you think that people who follow Bokkenism are stupid then? I think they're weak. <laughs> they're weak. Hmm. We, um, well, well, elaborate. I mean, I don't know if that's weak or whether it's just there I to sort of give people, themselves. I think people who can't look into themselves and go, yeah... Maybe there isn't anything bigger than me out there. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I think that's quite a weak thing. Okay. So I think secretly everybody knows. I, okay. Let me give you some examples of the teachings of Bokkanon. Um, let me tell you, and, and, and um, see if you, uh, h- how it lands with you. Live by the FOMA that make you brave and kind and healthy and happy. FOMA is uh, the word meaning harmless untruths. Fear of missing out. <laughs> fear of missing Anne, I thought. <laughs> or fear of missing ants, I guess. <laughs> um, fear of measly ants, that's what I'm scared of. <laughs> you, so, what a strange fear. <laughs> so live by that. Live, live by the fear of, me- of measly ants that make you brave Wait, and kind and healthy or measly. Uh, both. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, so like you're saying that like um, the safety of the royal family could be compromised by some measly ants. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, very scared of them. <laughs> so if somebody threw some ants at you, like as they were trying to assassinate Specifically the queen, they would have to be measly. They had to be measly. You'd immediately run away as if somebody had fired a gun. From yeah, I'm like the hound in Game of Thrones, <laughs> who is he- most easily 
<laughs> defeated character in the world. But there's a very good Wait, reason why. Wait, so you're saying why. you're the most easily defeated character in the world? No, well, people, no one knows about my fear of measly ads. It's never come up. Well, it okay, has well, it has now. But also, the hound had a very good reason why he was afraid of fire, which is that he had a horrible experience as a child with fire. He did, but he's useless. But in every battle, there is always some fire, apparently. Right, right, right. He's never had a successful battle. There's always fucking fire everywhere. That's true, that's true. But listen, I mean, considering that he's grown up... Um, to be a very, very respected warrior, despite harbouring this childhood fear. I'd say fair play to him. Much in the way that you've ascended through the ranks of the Beef Eaters, despite your crippling fear of measly ants. Has it ever come up? Has it ever, like, raised... No, it's never come up. There was a picnic once. Queen and I had to leave. (laughs) You just had to excuse yourself. Yeah, but there was no one trying to kill her, so it was fine. Did you think anybody suspected that it was because of the ants that you had? No, I said I needed the loo. (laughs) And you just never came back? (laughs) No, I... Well, they know because of my love of beef that I, it takes a long time to <laughs> I spent about, I'd say, 10% of my life on the loo. Wow, okay. Jeez. So you must get a lot of reading done. <laughs> a lot of reading. Yeah, okay. All my reading. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, yeah, uh, 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 okay. So, like, that's, that's what FOMO doesn't mean. FOMO does not mean fear of measly ants, although it's a good acronym to have. Um, it, it means harmless untruths. Um, the idea that, like, uh. White lies. Well, yes, exactly. I think, like, um, Von, Vonnegut and Bokkanon, they have a very charitable view of, like, um, these lies, oh. these untruths, um, that, uh, that you can live your life by as long as they don't cause any harm. And I think, um, Vonnegut is, um... Ooh, sorry. Sorry, yeah. I'm having a bit of uh, bowel trouble. Ooh, wait, collect that, collect that. I want to, I want to, I want to see. It's kind of watery, much more watery than I would it's, have expected from an all-book diet. It's just, it's just the liquid. The Ugh. books are still inside me. And it's kind of grey and pulpy. Mm. Oh, wait, let's get, let's stop talking about it. Okay, okay, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine, but like, good, good. Um, we have your, we have your sample there. Um, mm-hmm. just waiting for Lenny to give us his sample. Um. You'll be waiting a while. Probably. Uh, well, we can, we can edit it in later. Um, okay, uh, so if we, uh, I mean, even the title, Cat's Cradle, is, um, derived from the idea that, um, uh, all children are taught this. Cat's Cradle being the uh, little pieces of string with the X's in, obviously. But And kids learn this and they're told, this is a cat's cradle. And as Vonnegut observes, no wonder we all grow up a bit odd and a bit crazy. Like, we're told that this is a cat's cradle. No damn cat, no damn cradle. What does it mean? It's something that's a harmless untruth used to entertain people, even though it doesn't make any sense. It's basically harmless nonsense. And essentially, I feel the title of the book and the kind of undercurrent of absurdity in Cat's Cradle seems to suggest that Vonnegut is trying to tell us that life itself is meaningless and absurd, but um, as that's all there is. So as long as it's like um, you're not doing any harm, what's wrong with it? I don't know. That's my personal interpretation. What is your interpretation of the, of the title? Um, I think Vonnegut got it completely wrong. Really? Um, what he thought, he was, he's a bit stupid to be quite honest. Mm. What he thought that this was just some stupid made up kids game called mm. Cat's Cradle because some person had been like, this is a cat's cradle. Actually, it's a game invented by Ian Cat's Cradle and, um, he named the game after himself. Right, right. But, Kurt Vonnegut, who's a stupid idiot. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, yeah, we don't belabor the point, but yes, didn't yes. understand. Okay, what what did Ian Cat's Cradle invent the Cat's Cradle to do, and did and was it also uh, misapplied uh, ho- horribly? It's just a game. Okay, but yeah, was it? It he wasn't sitting. There. He was just sitting around shooting the shit with his brothers. Piece of string. Yeah, and um, he had this string and he was just playing around with it and he's like, holy shit, this is cool. And then he was like, yo, Ian, his brother's also called Ian. Yes, of course. Because um, their dad was called Ian. And so it's like, you know, They're all you, know George, Cat's Cradle, yeah. you know George Foreman? And yeah. He named all his kids George. Yeah. And he named his grill the George Foreman grill as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very uncreative man. <laughs> yes, very, yeah, absolutely. Very. But seriously, even the daughters, they're called George too. Mm-hmm. It's like that in this family. They're all called Ian. Okay, okay. Um, anyway, 
And it's my brother's like, oh, that looks cool. And it's like, but hey, 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 I'm going to mess it up for you. I'm going to grab these bits and do this and that. Oh, no, I made it even cooler. <laughs> and then he was like, well, I'm going to fuck it up for you, brother. And then he made it even cooler. And they just kept playing and playing. They're like, okay, mm-hmm. we've got a patent in this. <laughs> Cat's Cradle. Right. Our name. Our, our family name. name. Yes. And, and did it go wrong for them down the line? Did the cat's cradle get misused? No. Well, this book, the name of the book, they misused oh, it. Oh, right. so they were very upset about that. Actually, they didn't mind. Well, they they were dead. <laughs> How rich did they get off this idea, by the way? <laughs> Not very. <laughs> yeah, it's just a piece of string and they and you have to like... They were assassinated. What? Um, by the gun family. <laughs> well, by you. my family. By us. I don't remember this coming up in my family meeting. Well, because you probably like... left your family at this stage. Well, I was the one that invented the gun, so they must have just... And I just... They just leave it there with instructions mm-hmm, of it. Mm-hmm. I'm... I'm I'm pretty sure, though. I'm I know this is true because I read the book about the cat's cradle and gun family right, history right. Um, in the library. It doesn't make much mention of me, though, does it? Well, th- they didn't say that you changed your name to Chin T. They just assumed I disappeared. You disappeared. Right. Most likely thought um, committed suicide. Right. But like, um, um, but your family right. kept the legacy going. Of of, of um, shooting members of other families <laughs> that invented stupid things. Yeah, yeah, so that was so that book was written by a local um, townsman of the Jacob Rees Mogg Council. Oh, wow. And it was one published copy. What? And it was put into the local library. And you've now and destroyed it. Now eaten it, so. Wow. Yeah, and might, there's nothing on Wikipedia. Wow. It might actually, the remains might be in this bowel that you, per- you passed just previously. Let me see if I can make out some words here. No, it's gone forever. Sorry. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm due to have another operation next week to get the last bit of the um, books out. Well, fingers crossed yeah. that we re- that we recover some mm-hmm. of the mysteries of my family. Because uh, I'd like to know a bit more about my family that I left and abandoned years ago. Did you know none of them tried to, like, reach out or anything? What? Cheap coffee and... Not that family. The other family. The gun family. <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah, you've I got brothers. I have two brother. families. I've got, I've got brothers, yeah. They're not the guy. Oh, your parents got divorced. And yeah, anyway. you know how it works. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. That's right. But yeah, that, that, I'm talking about my original family, the gun family. None of them, like, ever... You, you would have thought that, like, they would have, like, posted a, like, a picture, a missing picture of a, have you seen this man? And well, they, they did. They made they us... they hated you. They made maybe. a song to try and find you. Yeah. Or maybe people got confused How did that song go? That's a Peter Gunn theme. Hmm. Okay. In the Blues Brothers. The one that goes da 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 Yeah. <laughs> you were meant good, to take not, that. Yeah, not a good way of actually trying to find something, releasing a song with no lyrics in it. But a catchy shot song. Maybe that's... Maybe they Very did. easy to pair the bass Oh, as God. Well. Oh, that's what happened. They did post a picture of me. But they posted it to the website these people don't exist.com and they just like... They thought like, missing this person. Well, he doesn't exist, so... Mm, nobody ever tried to find me. Ah. Oh, my family are dumb. They're really stupid. Um, yeah, like it said, maybe they just hate you. <laughs> but I think they're dumb. I think they're stupid. Pretty sure they're dumb. Both. They could be both. They could be both. <laughs> they could be dumb, stupid, and hate me. I think that's... They'd have to be question. stupid to hate you, Chin. Aww. Exactly. Thank you, Lenny. Oh, this is what do you prefer, yeah. Chin or Ian? Chin. Chin. How about Chin? Nah, that's too close to Ian. Chin, because Ian... Uh, Ian is... Too much of a murderer's name, um, really. It's a bit too much of Ian Gunn, bit on the nose. Uh, Shin T, sensible name. Sounds like a guy who reads books and has never committed any murders ever. Uh, which is the case, obviously. Um, I think we're close to summarising our thoughts on Cat's Cradle. Um, I'm, I, I want you to give me your thoughts on what you thought about the book. And also whether you thought it was a good book or not. And if... You could improve it in any way. Um, it's in a section that I like to call notes. If I can find the bit, the song. Yeah, here we go. Boom. Did you miss this song, Alice? No. Why not? No, 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 no. Oh, you got me. No, no, no. Honestly, though, no, I didn't miss it. It's just slightly too long. What are you talking about? It's only about 28. No, wait, hold on a second. It's 30 seconds long. Yeah, exactly. That's not long. What do you think, Lenny? Oh, it's right. It's my oh, favourite song. Oh, such a sucker. I played it at my, my wedding. 
Whoa, 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 you got married? Yeah. What? Congratulations, lady. Who's the, lucky, who is the lucky lady or man? Oh, it's a man. It's uh, hey. Liam uh, Manchester. Wow. Hey, hey, hey. Let me see a picture of uh, Ian Manchester. Liam Manchester. Liam Manchester. Wow, he looks exactly like Philip Schofield. <laughs> well, it is Philip Schofield, really. I thought, I thought you, I thought the test to be a beef eater meant that you couldn't, you, you, yeah. you had to not be aroused Celibate. by a picture of Philip Schofield. <laughs> Have you broken your vows? Well, I'm not aroused by pictures of Philip Schofield. Okay, the real by... thing. Yeah, yeah. You're aroused by the real thing, or or a close approximation of the. Whenever he sends me sex, I'm like, oh, I'm not interested in that. So he's like, I, I have to remain true to my duty. I took an oath. I swore fealty to the, the queen. I cannot be aroused by this uh, approximation of Philip Schofield, the ideal man. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I would have. I was worried there for a second that this might be a compromising of your ideals or anything. Well, yeah. But you found a way to work around it. Just basically say, nope. No sex for me. Well, no sex, yeah. Yeah, okay. He still sends them to me every minute. <laughs> but you, you will not be tempted. Do you say, like, I'm just away, away tempted? I've muted the WhatsApp chat. Okay, that's an even easier way <laughs> of doing it. Very good, very good. Um, congratulations. I'm, I'm a bit insulted, though, that you did not invite any of the Faking Lit crew to your wedding. Well, I did. I invited. Uh, that's why Josh isn't here. Is that your wedding right now? Is that my wedding? Oh, wait, right are now? you doing a okay. hologram? Yeah, I'm a hologram. Oh, my God. It's an illusion. Bamboozled. But how come you're talking? Because uh, I'm of myself, so it's easier to do. So I guess I guess a store sample is out of the question yeah, now. Okay. I'm sorry. Josh is there. Harren X is there. Johnny Gillum's there. Your hologram's well, Alice. <laughs> so wait, am I just doing this by myself in this room? Yeah, pretty much. What? Oh my god. Look, watch this. What? Why did you take take off your trousers? Why was that meant to prove out this? Why did you take off your trousers? I need to do another poo. Okay, alright, fair enough, fair enough. Again, you're a hologram. You're a hologram. And somehow I'm, I still I'm, have a pulpy poo in this glass I'm doing here. It's the wedding. Okay, alright, alright. Weird. I'm in the toilets, it's not like um just pooing in the wedding. Well, I do have a whole. Well, I do have this hologram poo in my glass right now. Um, but uh, look, I'm going to overlook this snub. And how far is the wedding? How far away is it? Yeah. Well, it's in zone one, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can't. So you're close. Yeah, we're about ten. Can minutes, I then. please come? I can wrap this up. I can be there. All right, you can come to the reception. Yes. All right, let's wrap Just things don't up. Don't bring I mean, any guns. I have. I, I swear, I, I I can get you a present. I got a tuxedo. Um, I can. Uh, I can. I, I can DJ for you if you want. I've got, no, we've got um, Jamie XX DJing. Uh, what a hack. <laughs> Okay, fine, fine. I don't have the DJ, but I'll be there. I'll be there. Let's wrap this up, people. Uh, as soon as I finish this up, I'm going to head to your wedding. Um, and I'd like to meet your significant other as well. I've like I've always wanted to be close to a person who looks like Philip Schofield and pretend I'm on Good Morning. Uh, it'd be so much fun. What did you think of this book, Alice, and how would you have improved it, if you want to make improvements? Um, I thought this book was really delicious. Mm. Um, tasted great. Uh, improvements, a bit of salt and pepper. Okay, right. Maybe some ketchup. Okay. Yeah. It's a positive review. That's mm-hmm. great. Delicious book. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> it was very quick and to the point. Mm-hmm. It was, I liked that the pages were mature. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, um, it was like a fine cheese. Wow. Okay, so that book definitely had, had its own flavour notes though. Mm, um, mm. Uh, absolutely is absolutely. there a wine you'd recommend to go with this book um, actually I think the the perfect drink would be um, a Madeira oh interesting interesting mm, a sweet mm, wine mm. Mm. that's a great note Alice uh, thank you very much uh, Lenny well I liked it a lot mm-hmm. I've always a great tale about what man hath wrought Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it would have been better if the super weapon at the end that destroyed the world, rather than uh, turning the oceans to ice, mm-hmm. turn them to jelly because it'd be a bit more fun. Okay, I mean that would beef still jelly, though. yeah, beef, yeah, beef jelly, jelly, yeah. I guess it would still 
cause the end of the world. Uh, but it wouldn't make sense for like um, all the characters who commit suicide by ingesting it. They what? turn into jelly. Yeah, it turns into jelly. Right. Like jelly babies. I'd say, I, I submit to... <laughs> That sounds delicious, actually. That sounds that sounds horrible and delicious and fun at the same time. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's it. That's the only you only know. Well, make no jelly. You know, I think I've been fun. <laughs> and fun is what we need in this book about the end of the world with a nihilistic sort of like sad. Yeah. Mm, okay. That's that's fine. I mean, this is these are this is good stuff. I was hoping you'd say that because um, I love Kurt Vonnegut. I love Cat's Cradle big thumbs up from me i i can't think of many ways to actually improve this book at all uh and i, I guess i don't need to um because uh, apparently the only changes that need to be made to this perfect book is a little bit of seasoning and a little bit of jelly and uh, that sounds like a pretty good meal to me um in that case it gives me great honor and much joy to induct kurt vonnegut's cat's cradle into the faking lit hall of fame Miss wow. that song, Alice. Wow. Who is she? She's so good at singing. Regina McCracken. Uh, oh, wow. I hope to have her back on the show one of these days because um, we kind of need a new song and I would like to hit, get like get more of her uh, dulcet tones over everything, really. Um, but uh, that's for another time. Um, last chance, Lenny, uh, to give me a stool sample. Even though it's a hologram, I believe you can squeeze it a little bit out for me. I'm, I'm literally getting married right now. Just a little <laughs> quick one. Just a little quick one. No, stop distracting us. Okay, We're trying fine, to watch fine, the fine, wedding. Fine, fine. Okay, do, do anybody want to plug anything? Yes, no? Lenny London's wedding. Le- okay, Lenny London's wedding happening right now as we speak. I'm going to go there right now. I'm going to get changed. I've got to have a shower. Uh, I've got to get my uh, my nose hairs plucked. Uh, I've got to get Yeah, because that uh, is my, my one requirement. Yeah. That's why I didn't invite you, because you've got too much nose hair. I know. I've always been quite, like, I'm um, uh, a little bit taken aback by how smooth the inside of your nasal cavities are. Very smooth. I can so keep- smooth. It's Give like eggs in there. <laughs> like tiny eggs. Why? Really tiny eggs. Well, yeah, for later. That's why they need to be clean. Give them to the poor <laughs> children. Oh, did he invent nose clean? <laughs> How'd you clean the eggs that you put into your nose? Uh, your knives. Yeah. See? <laughs> thought, thought he invented a new way to clean egg noses, but... <laughs> apparently not. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me. Well... <laughs> kind of joining me in hologram form Alice and Lenny uh, it was great to have you both back on the show I've got nothing to plug except for the podcast usual things uh, faking the podcast like and subscribe to us on iTunes uh, the email faking the podcast uh, fakingitpodcast at gmail.com send us your mail your song requests uh, your hate mail um, we don't have any new reviews remember we've been called a work of genius and retarded <laughs> those were the two reviews that we've had for the podcast so far um, and I think that pretty much sums it up um, until next time thank you very much for joining me today uh, keep supporting your local bookstores and libraries before Jacob Reese Moggs decommissions them or mm. Alice eats all the books inside them. Until next time, my name's Kinsey. Bye-bye. I love you. Bye. Bye.